Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another bi-week edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back at it once again with Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. If you haven't already, I'm going to keep harping on this. Make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. It's a 14-day free trial. You'll get the best insights and bonus content that already cuts through the clutter of social media. And you will get a lot of insights that no one else will be getting. And again, it's $4.99 a month, but you will not be charged for that until the end of that said 14-day free trial. Signing up is easy. Just go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top. Or you can send a text message if it's easier to area code 513-949-4147. Now, yesterday on the podcast, we gave out our midseason awards for the offense. So if you if you didn't guess it already, we're giving out the defensive awards midseason for the defense. So just starting out with it, we started with underperformer last time. So I think we'll start with that gentleman. If you want to start, Andrew or Mike, feel free to jump in. Who is your all's underperformer on the Bengals' defense through nine games? Mike, all you. Okay. Um, well, I think it. I think it has to be Eli Apple. Um, look, Apple signed a one-year deal. He knew what was coming. You know, Cam Taylor Britt or, or some some you know replacement at some point younger. Uh, but probably didn't expect it to happen eight games in the season. Kind of the exclamation point of his first half was that 75-yard touchdown he allowed. I think that was with Von Bell at Atlanta. Um, you know, they never said it was a benching. They've said, you know, missed the next game with an injury, and they said they wanted to give Taylor Britt time. But three-game stretches of his career, uh, he admitted that he didn't, you know, he viewed it kind of as benching, and, and he struggled. So, um, and this was kind of before, obviously, Chidobi Awuzie's injury. Uh, you know, Apple's play against the Panthers was encouraging. That was his best game of the season. Only allowed two catches on six targets. You know, his body of work first uh, nine games was not all that impressive. Um, you know, I think the high point, you know, he had real good game offense. Went, went, we took a real big step back after that, um, and, and we'll see here what kind of what he looks like for, in the back half. Yeah, uh, for me, this was a choice between two guys, and actually I chose um, the other guy. I was thinking about Eli Apple, but I also chose B.J. Hill. Um, you know, he's you, – you, he's if you look at the PFF rankings, it's, it's the lowest ranking that he's kind of had uh, in his entire career. Um, and when you lose a guy like D.J. Reader – you need players to step up and you would think that with the guys on the outside that he has, when you have Sam Hubbard, when you have Trey Hendrickson, um, you would think that that is, um, you know, you would think that that would really kind of elevate his play to a level where he's seeing a little bit more one-on-one matchups because it's a lot harder to give help to the inside. And I know you don't have reader there, but I just wonder what this defense would look like if you had an interior pass rush. Like, and I, like I said, the reader absence is huge, and I think he's going to get better when reader gets back into the lineup. 
But I think if just you look at the way that Hubbard and Hendrickson have played this year, if you had any kind of force up the middle in terms of a pass rush, I mean, who knows what this defense would look like. So, you know, I think Apple's a good answer, but Hill, I think, you know, if you could really kind of hone in on an area where you would like to see, and we can obviously get into this later, if you would like to hone in on an area where, you know, this team can improve, I think getting sacks and getting to the quarterback is an area and, you know, to me, B.J. Hill is the guy you need to step up in that regard. Yeah, that's a very interesting pick. I wouldn't really have thought much about that. But, you know, when you break down those PFF numbers, there's an argument there. But, yeah, I'm with Michael. I mean, Eli Apple is my underperformer. I mean, yeah, he mentioned those good games he had against the Panthers and that one off against the Dolphins. But between those two games, oof, man, the uh, the Eli the anti-Eli Apple Twitter sphere, um, if people fall along with that, I mean, they were – roasting him and I mean rightfully so I mean it, it's so ironic though I think the most hate came after the Saints game you know he just got burned and burned in that game and it's just the irony is that it's against the team that he trashed the most out of the teams he's played for because what he played for the Giants Saints and Panthers and he had I think the most burned bridges in New Orleans and I mean yeah you know he's been doing this for what seven years now this is probably one of his worst seasons in that stretch. His man-to-man coverage isn't all that. Um, and like you said, with Camp Taylor-Britt, obviously now he has to be in the picture because of Chidobi Awuzie's injury. But even with or without Chido, I think we were going to see more of Camp Taylor-Britt, regardless of what the coaches have been saying because of just the way I think things have gone for Eli Apple. So that is my underperformer. I will step in here and say B.J. Hill does not deserve to be on that list. He... Uh, he's not – he's a complimentary defensive tackle. He's obviously the second guy. and But he's played so many snaps for them. Like, without him, like, what, what would this have looked like the last – Right. I, I, I guess when, when I, to, when I uh, looked at underachiever, I, I guess I looked at – you needed a guy to step up in Reader's absence. And I understand you can't just ask people to be DJ right. Reader, but I, I think you need more of an interior pass rush, and, and Hill is the guy – I think that would be – in an ideal player. world, like, that would be awesome. But, I mean, I right. they – you just don't have the depth there. And sure. I, I, yeah. I give credit to him. You know, he's played the most snaps of his career right. 100%. You know, like, with this last like four game stretch. He's playing next to Zach Carter. You know, no offense to Zach Carter. He was not anticipated to be in sort of the rotation yet. Right. And so it's, it's hard. And so I, I just think that in terms of maybe the positions underachieving, I don't know that necessarily he's underachieving because I, I think he's given him what he has and, and what he can do, you know, He's he's been yeah. actually a step above where he was with the Giants that last two years. Yeah, I mean, the like I said, the the Apple choice that was the it was I was choosing between Hill and Apple, and and it was just one of those situations where I it's hard to see. You didn't want Apple trashing you on Twitter if he heard. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that we'll just say that. That's exactly it. God, that's fun. Yeah, and I think in uh, Michael's defense too, Andrew, I mean, on top of Zach Carter, you have Jay Tufele, who was already filling in for right. Josh Tupo, who was already helping fill in for Reader. So it, it's just, uh, you know, it's been a mess at that interior position. But Reader is coming back soon, and we'll talk more about that later today and tomorrow. But kind of moving down the list, I want to look at the best supporting actor slash non-starter. What is your all's picks for that? See, now I'm afraid to say my answer here. Um, <laughs> Michael's uh, coming after you. So I picked uh, I picked Akeem Davis-Gaither. Um, a good I think choice. He's, I think he's been good um, when the team, if you kind of look at his, 
You know, it's it's defense is weird because you technically Mike Hilton's not like if you look at Pro Football Reference, they don't list Mike Hilton as a starter. Like he's only started in one game, so like technically that's an answer, but I I don't think that that I mean. I don't think that that's a correct choice. He's a starter. Oh, oh, laying the groundwork. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. So, so I, the so to me, I was kind of looking at I was kind of looking at that, and for me, for Gaither, um, you know, they've lived, they've missed Logan Wilson for a little bit, um, and when when he was out, there really wasn't a ton of drop off, and Logan Wilson's obviously really really good. So, um, you know, with with Davis Gaither, when you play these teams that run the ball, I think it was against the Falcons, he had a lot of snaps. Um, earlier in the year against, uh, I would have to look it up. I forget it, but he, he had a lot of snaps against teams that stack the box, do a lot of things up tight. And to me, that's, he's been a good complimentary player. Um, and that's exactly what kind of you're looking for in this superlative here. So for me, um, I picked him and just because it's such a passing league and he's not seeing the field a ton. Um, you know, there are games where he's seen 10% of the defensive snaps, but, uh, you know, to me, he's been, he's been solid. I might have cheated then because I picked Hilton. He's only started one game. Uh, he played. Yeah, a lot that's of, the thing. Know. He, but he's he's on the yeah, field more I know. than not. It's, it's, but he's technically not a starter, so I'm going with the. I guess you could put an asterisk next to it. Yeah, that's. Uh, he's got the second highest coverage grade in the secondary. Uh, you know, he's effective against the run, so that help. You know, it, it, he might not be as much a, 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 have a role if he was just one or the other, right? But he could do both in that slot position. Um, you know, just really effective overall and, and, and efficient. And, and I think his uh, veteran leadership uh, is appreciated in the locker room. Um, and and I, I just liked what he's done this season. Like you said, it, it's sort of borderline. Cause you know, he is kind of that, you know, key player and, and, you know, he's probably, you know, they think of him as a starter, but it's only started one game out of eight. So I cheated. Yeah, I mean, if I followed the rules, I would have picked Mike Hilton, too. Um, and just for reference, he has played in more than 50% of the snaps in every single game. And that's good. That means he's a good reserve. That's not that doesn't help you. That means he's a good. That <laughs> I like mean, is it, does that mean at what point does good reserve settle into starter? When you start more than half the game, you started one game. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the, the asterisk. I mean, yeah, with Hilton, you know, that I, I, was th- I was thinking about that, too, but uh, for me, I just kind of scratched that out because, like I said, I mean, he plays every game. He plays most snaps. Um, and I was just like, all right, I want to think of someone who really we don't see that much of. And that's why I also picked Akeem Davis Gaither. I mean, he actually really has not come in a lot. But, the you know, the interesting thing, there's a game that sticks out to me uh, with Davis Gaither specifically. It's not even the game where he started for Logan Wilson, which was against Atlanta, which was a good game. I mean, he had 10 combined tackles. And he played, obviously, the most snaps he's played all year, percentage-wise. But against Cleveland, he plays seven snaps, seven total snaps, which is the fewest he's played all year. And he had a heck of a, a fumble that was an interception, and then it was an interception, or it was a fumble. I mean, that play, man. I mean, I know Von Bell was the guy who uh, laid out Jacoby Brissett, but the way he just read the ball and just came up the middle, I mean, what a play. And, yeah, I mean – you know, the thing about that position, it's easy to focus on the Jermaine Pratts and the Logan Wilsons, Wilsons who are both really, really good. But, you know, he stepped up for Wilson. Um, and the thing about this position is, like, when you get the few snaps you have, you take advantage of it. He has done that very well. I think the best among anyone who's coming off the bench. So, yeah, I think for me, Akeem Davis-Gaither is a good pick. He's in his third season with the Bengals. He knows the system really well. So that just plays into his advantage. 
So as we go down the list, now that we have that down, I want to ask you guys, and I know that I, I don't know if, how you guys felt about this. I struggle with this because I think there's been so many you could pick from, but what would you say is the best play from this defense through nine games? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I don't think there was a clear choice where there was a like they, they swung a game sort of late. I think if anything, it's been the opposite where you know they've been on kind of the losing end a couple of times. Um, but the best play, um, it's sort of weird because it's like it was a, a, a play. Shadobia Uzi had made across the middle against the Saints. It was early in the third quarter. Saints were up. Uh, I think it was 2014. And so that would have given him a 27-14. Taysom Hill came in the game, threw a bomb to Kevin White. Uh, and Awuzie was in man coverage, knocked it down with his right hand, kind of coming across. It was like if you when you it d- didn't look as impressive like in full speed, but when you watch it in slow motion, the way he avoided contact, perfectly timed the deflection. Um, it's a play that goes I think overlooked, but so critical because uh, I mean that it was a really nice throw, uh, would have been a touchdown. And if you know they lose that game, the Saints get a two possession lead there. Uh, you know who knows where the Bengals are at right now. Also kind of highlights why I think they'll miss Awuzie is that you're not going to get that kind of man coverage from Cam Taylor Britt, at least consistently from a rookie. Um, and so I, I kind of viewed that as, as, you know, that's just something that goes kind of, you know, you miss it and now they'll even miss it more with him out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, for me, the best play was the uh, Logan Wilson interception against the Jets. Um in week three, he, the, the Jets were going, um, they were on their own side of the field and Logan Wilson was started pretty much at the line of scrimmage, like at the Jets 35, hauled ass all the way back to his own 35, made a leaping interception and took it back into Jets territory. It was like a Tampa two look uh, defensive coordinator. Lou Anarumo really was kind of praising him after that play. I remember um, and, you know, he talked about how pretty much ridiculous that that play is for a middle linebacker to make. Now, granted, he did fumble it. The Bengals got it back. So, like, it was one of those things where, like, if if he fumbled it and the Jets got it, maybe this doesn't make this list. But, uh, you know, to me, that's that's just such a hard play to make, you know, not only to, to make an interception and run it into territory, but just to get into position. Um, so, really, when you when you look at where he started – what he where the play ended i mean I, I think that was just such an impressive play for a guy like that to make absolutely so my best play is also an interception but this one came from von bell against the dolphins it was his second pick which already adds to the fact that it was a good game for him it came with about three minutes left the Bengals were up 2015 that really turned the tide because you know what late in the game you get a pick and then joe burrow hits hayden hurst to put the game away you never know if the Dolphins drive downfield and do something and they take the lead with only a little time left. We don't know if the Bengals can come that back. Wasn't like that. The one, that wasn't the one where he jumped over the guy and timed it so he didn't make the contact, right? That first one was the one where he jumped over right. the guy. So he, more, I think that was the more impressive play. The second one might have been more impactful. That's what it was. No, so the first play, oh, yeah, that was a really good one. But I put, I picked the second pick because it was way more impactful. It was actually really easy. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, who came in the game for Tua Tagovailoa, he tried to go on a slant to Mike Gusecki, but Von Bell was playing as part of a two-deep package, and he overthrew it, and he was just wide open in the backfield. But it was just very impactful. And with the fact that they're 5-4 and four right now, I'm not saying, oh, that was a turning point play of the year, but – 
when we look at it now, you say, man, that was a big pick and that was a big win. So that's why I picked Bell's interception for that one. So this one I struggle with even more as far as category goes. We have the best play, but this one was tough. What was the worst play that we've seen from this defense so far this Muhammad, year? Mohamed, you go first because I think Mike and I have both let off categories here. So you're up. Sure. All right, then. Well, like I said, it was not easy. It, I actually was thinking about it most of the day today, even as I was doing half my errands. Just kidding. But no, really, I was thinking about it. I would say the worst play, if you really want to be nitpicky, was the 44-yard touchdown that they gave up against Rashid Shahid, who was – He's a, he's a wide receiver for the Saints who came off their practice squad the day before, who's an undrafted rookie out of Weber State. Uh, if you go back and watch it, he was pretty much untouched. Cut through the right side, so the, the D-line didn't see it coming. They misread that. And then the secondary pretty much just couldn't get to him. I mean, the closest man was Jesse Bates, but even he kind of like tripped up, I want to say like 5, 10 yards short of the end zone. I'm not saying it was a horrible play. I'm just saying if you really want to look at the play that wasn't the best for their standards. I'll go, I'll go ahead and say it was a horrible, horrible play. I mean, that was awful. That was their worst it was, play by far. It was far. not I mean, good. It was it, not good. Luan Irma was, was, I mean, was apoplectic about it. I mean, even a couple of days later, he's like, we missed about 100 tackles on the play. Um, a disaster from start to finish. He gets lost in a line. Uh, you know, bad alignment, and then he he breaks like four tackles. Un unheard of this season. You know, I thought the seventy-five yarder against Atlanta was kind of up there. You know, in terms of busts, I mean, those are really the only two I could think of where they just got, you know, blown coverage or blown, uh, you know, just blown up completely. Can you guys name the Weavers? What are, what are the Weaver states? Are that can you can you guess what their what their mascot is? Weaver State uh, Wildcats. They're the Dragons. Wildcats. The Wildcats. You knew the Weber State was the Wildcats? Yeah. Well, I used to cover the Big Sky Conference, so I already knew that. I kind of cheated you know, Okay, there. but you don't know the mascot's specific name. Oh, oh the no. mascot. No, 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 I don't. Oh, no. It's Waldo. I don't. Waldo. Waldo? It's what? It's Waldo. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Waldo. <laughs> I was expecting a better so answer. We found, Wal we found Waldo. Where is he? He's right there in the costume. That's funny. Andrew, go yet? Andrew, you got to your worst player. Yeah. Okay. So this is something um, to break the fourth wall. This is something where I got on. I said, guys, I have no idea um, because there had been there were three that I that I just could not decide on. One, which I eliminated kind of quickly, was they allowed a deep ball to Tyreek Hill where uh, Chidobi Awuzie got beat, um, and I, I don't. I, is that the I, I one he tipped and they still caught it? Yeah, he tipped and he still caught it, but I was like, they got a hand on it. Uh, it was Tyreek Hill, so I kind of graded that one on a curve. Um, and it was really between that Saints play and then this one, which I actually chose. Um, it was the Amari Cooper catch in week nine, which, again, it was an outstanding throw, an outstanding catch. But the, it was third and nine. And if you go back and look at it, um, Dax Hill's playing corner. And I know that's not an ideal situation, but he had help over the top. Like Amari Cooper is a good route runner, but he's not a burner. And Amari Cooper just blew right by Dax Hill and right over the top of Von Bell. And to me, that I I I like that pick because it just kind of represented to me one of their worst plays, if not their worst play, in their worst game of the season. Um, they they were already losing. Like the game was probably over by that point. I believe they were down. 
19 um, with like 11 minutes left to go. So like the game is pretty much out of reach, but that was just a play on third and nine that you can't let happen. And I kind of grade that by, okay, you had double coverage there and you got beat over the top. I think the Saints answer is a great answer. Um, that run where it was a 44-yard run, was it, it was his first NFL touch, that guy, right? Um, I think his first ever touch too, you're yeah, right. Yeah, the first time he touched the ball in the NFL, he scored. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with that answer. I could just as easily put that one. Um, but I think the Cooper catch, as good as it was, I mean, that to me was just a play that you can't let happen. Yeah, I was thinking about some plays from that game because obviously that was the Bengals' worst game this year, and I was thinking about that one. There's two other ones. I can't remember off the top of my head that I narrowed out, but no, that's a good pick, and we're going to have more picks when we come back on the Strictly Stripes podcast as we look at the biggest surprise, best position group, and the MVP. We'll have all that when we return right here. You're listening to the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast as we continue our Bengals midseason defensive awards. So we already laid out underperformer, best non-starter, and best and worst play. So with that, what would you say has been your biggest surprise, for better or worse, from the defense this season, guys? Um, yeah, so the, the biggest surprise for me, when, when we did the offensive one, it was kind of a negative. I think this is a positive. Um, you look at Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, and you can pretty easily say like, okay, these guys have been, you know, one of the better, you know, defensive end tandems in the league. Um, you look at their PFF grades, they're really good. And then you look at their sack numbers and I'm it, like, if you were to just kind of watch their games and not just no thought in your head, don't add it up. You'd be surprised that they only have seven and a half combined sacks. Like they're averaging less than a sack per game. And to me, compared and relative to how well that those two guys are playing, that's not commiserate with what you would expect. Um, I mean, maybe that'll change in the second half. You're going to get reader back. Um, obviously that might take some of the pressure off of those guys. But for me, you just, you look at the talent that those two guys have and the level that they're playing at. And the only see seven and a half sacks combined. I don't know. That's surprising to me. Um, so I think that, um, maybe they're more down the line, but through through nine games, this you know seven and a half is not a number that you would have thought. Uh, mine's sort of uh, not really play specific. It's the uh, you know last year this team was really lucky uh, getting to the Super Bowl without really major injuries, serious injuries. This year it feels like uh, the football gods are trying to make up for for it and really on the defense focusing on the defense. Uh, you know you lose DJ Reader uh, for basically the first half and we played two and a half games. Now you lose a Wouzier for, for the rest of the, the second half. Secondary's banged up. Uh, I mean, that's a lot to handle uh, and for to overcome. I mean, I know every team deals with injuries, um, but the Bengals, I think, are their top 10 teams in terms of games missed. Uh, you know, Baltimore's not going to give any sympathy. You know, Cleveland probably won't. But at the same time, you know, it shows you that luck does have sort of that, that impact. And, you know, the Wouzier thing was really non-contact. He essentially knocked the ball loose and planted his foot uh, on the turf and, and twisted and that was it. Um, so uh, the, just how, uh, you know, the, the stark difference between last year and this year, and you just, it's, it's hard to make it through a year. I mean, the Bengals really did. I feel like got lucky last year, this year um, that they've just been adding up at a, you know, they, they can't really afford another major starter to go down. I feel like. 
Yeah, you know, Michael, I, I'm with you on that. I'd say for me, my biggest surprise is similar to that, but in a more narrow sense, you know, I just – and this is not on anyone's fault, obviously. I couldn't imagine that the second day would go from being so healthy to, you know, you lose Awuzie, uh, you lose Trey Flowers for a game, you lose Mike Hilton for a game. And obviously, those are the games you want to lose them. The game you want to lose them against was the Panthers, which is good, but – you know, even though Hilton had surgery and he's going to be back, it makes you wonder, like, how well does he hold up? We don't know much about Trey Flowers. He did rehab this week, but we still don't know his full status for the coming days. And, I mean, with Eli Apple, we, we said he was underperforming for a reason, at least me and uh, Mike did. And I know even Andrew was kind of thinking about that. He's underperformed. Even Dax Hill is, you know, going to be week to week with a shoulder injury. And that's your first-round pick who – is essentially likely to replace Jesse Bates, and that's a guy you really cannot afford to get hurt in the here and now and the future. So I just didn't imagine that they go from being super healthy and lucky, like Michael said, in the backfield to just being hobbled with injuries. And, I mean, at this point, you cannot let anybody else get hurt. Like, you're tapping into your practice squad at this point. They already called up Alan George. You can't afford to call up anyone else on that practice squad. So that really has surprised me. But I liked – Andrew's answer about the D-line, you know, uh, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, those are the guys where you know they're good. They were good last year. I mean, Hendrickson had a franchise season for the Bengals last year. He's only gotten better. Hubbard's having the best season in his five-year career. So that was a good pick. So with that, what would you say is the best position group on this Bengals defense, guys? I went with uh, linebackers, and it kind of echoed what uh, you guys were saying about Akeem, that there's been – uh, no drop-off with the backups, and it goes past to Marcus Bailey's played in a couple games uh, and, and, and kind of held up. Uh, and then you've got Logan Wilson, who's kind of on arc uh, upwards, you know, trending in a, in a sort of becoming a real impact linebacker, one of the top coverage, top 20 coverage linebackers in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, and so you have an impact player, you have really good depth, nobody's playing bad. Um, you know, both stars have missed games, and they haven't had a letdown. Um, and you know, it, it just blue talked about how he's really happy with, you know, one through like five in that room. And, uh, you know, they, they've, they've, they drafted really at that position three years ago with Wilson and Akeem and Marcus Bailey, and that draft class is kind of stuck together and really pay off. And I think a case can be made for, you know, for just doing defensive ends, probably that wins, but I think you gotta go with the whole defensive line. And like Andrew said, there's been some ups and downs there in terms of tackle, but, um, I think for me it was linebackers. You Andrew, guys what do you, think? you don't have you don't have enough said, right? <laughs> right? Well, I didn't know if Muhammad was going to go or if I should go. I um, I can go. I mean, I know you've kind of taken the lead. You know, I'll kind of pinch it for you on this one. I you know I was torn between the linebackers and the D line because with the D line, I mean Hubbard and Hendrickson have been great, and I know. There was a case against B.J. Hill, but there's also a strong enough case for B.J. Hill. Andrew's case against B.J. Hill. In his, I mean, in his case, yes. Uh, but, you know. Not saying bad. Just saying you need more. Sh- sure, sure. But at the same time, I think, you know, I'm going to have to pick the linebackers because, of course, and this is not the D-line's fault. The reader injury was a lot, and it's not enough to rotate with Jay Tefele and Zach Carter and Josh Tupo, who also got hurt. And I think maybe in the second half, it'll be the opposite. When Reader gets back, we could see something we haven't seen all year because Reader only played two and a half games. But yeah, the depth is there. Uh, I mean, what, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson each have a pick. You know, they could, either of them could get another one each or both. 
You know, and like I said, with Davis Gaither, he's played some of the fewest snaps on defense total among all positions. Yeah, he's had some of the most impactful plays from those few snaps. So you talk about taking advantage. He takes advantage. The depth is taking advantage. So I say the linebackers have been the best position group on that defense so far this year. Yeah, uh, we're going to have a clean sweep here. Um, I also picked the linebackers. Um, you know, to me, you know, I, I think it's no surprise when you kind of look and, you know, I, I picked Logan Wilson for the best play. I mean, you have a middle linebacker that can do that. Um, I mentioned Akeem Davis Gaither as my uh, as my best non-starter. Um, I, I just think that really just just kind of echo what you guys said. I mean, this is a younger linebacking core. Um, Pratt and I think Pratt and Davis Gaither are both 26 and Logan Wilson's 25. Like, um, or thereabouts, like it's a younger, it's a younger group that's played really, really well. Um, you know, there hasn't really been a drop off, like Mike said, when, when you have an injury to somebody. So for me, um, it was the linebackers and, you know, I, I think if DJ reader were still around, maybe we're having a different discussion, but without reader, I think it's been the linebackers. Indeed. All right. So cue the drum roll. Who is our M V to the P on the Bengals defense this season so far. Uh, I picked uh, Chidobi Awuzie. Um, more Trey Hendrickson slander. I knew it. I knew it. I, was <laughs> first, I knew it. I knew it. Um, it again, good answer for uh, Hendrickson's a good answer. I just think, uh, obviously, I mean, this is the this, you're not going to pick Chidobi Awuzie to be the team's full season defensive MVP, um, but it, compared to what he brings you at a position where you really need a game, you really need a game breaker. Like you really need somebody that can be your number one corner, especially like on this defense with what they've had. Like um, I know you guys both picked Eli Apple as your biggest underachiever. Um, Cam Taylor Britt was not ready until that Falcons game. You've really needed Chidobe Awuzie to step up into that role because I mean, what does this cornerback room look like? if Cheeto was not a legitimate number one cornerback in the NFL. Like, I, I don't know. And, and I think that's a scary thought for the Bengals to entertain, um, which is something that obviously we're going to get into in the, in the second half of the year here. But for me, he was an excellent corner, you know, somebody that you could rely on consistently at a position that you need to rely on. I mean, obviously there's only a handful of those. Mike's obviously going to make the argument for one of the other defensive ends here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think just at a position of need where you need a guy like that, he was exactly what this team needed. And, uh, I mean, you saw what some of the results can be when, when he's not in the lineup. So, uh, Cheeto. I, I mean, it's, it's not, look, it's not a bad answer. I just worry that <laughs> it's a bias. It's your bias against Trey Hendrickson that led you to pick him. Right. It's hard to separate right. at this point. Cause it's so strong. Um, and I think a case can be made for Sam Hubbard too. I mean, his numbers are actually like right around, right. uh, Hendrickson and he's more of a three down, uh, player. Hendrickson gets, it gets a little more, um, you know, snaps off and he's been dealing with some injuries too, but, if you're talking about do they have an elite player on the defense, Hendrickson's really the elite player of the defense. You know, you've talked about it a couple of times, Andrew, like do they have a Hall of Famer? Um, but, as, you know, in terms of pro football focus, like, you know, they 90 or above is kind of elite, and, and, and Hendrickson's elite this year, especially as a pass rusher. And so, you know, those players are hard to find. Those players impacted the game. I mean, the other day, what was it, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he played 
think it was maybe it was the game he had the stinger. We played like 15 snaps and had three pressures. I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. You know, like one every five snaps, he's, he's getting to the quarterback. Yeah, some of them aren't sacks, but um, he's still a game changer. And um, there's just not many of those in the NFL. And, and I, I just think he's one of them. But Wuzi uh, is not a bad answer. I just, I worry that your hatred clouded your judgment and we'll never right. know. Exactly. You know what they you know what they say, don't hate, appreciate. You know, I, I Who was says that? Hmm? Who says that? Well, I just said that, so I don't know who else says it, but if I if I'm a trendsetter, I'll I'll start a trend like that. So we'll go you with You know that, what but... they say? Oh wait, am I the first person that's ever said this ever? As far as I know, but I'm probably not right. So I don't know. I'm going to just say that I'm right to feel good about myself. Maybe you guys should too. But uh, I think the feel good answer for MVP, I was torn between Hendrickson and Von Bell. I think we can't underestimate Von Bell's impact in the secondary. He leads a team in takeaways. He's had multi interception games this season. Uh, I mean, he's just a really, really hard nosed tackler. Like you can just feel the boom, you could feel the waves when he's just tackling guys up front, whether he's in the backfield or in, up the middle. I mean, all-around player and leader. He's a captain for a reason. But I'm going to have to go with Trey Hendrickson. I mean, he's had just as big of an impact as Bell, but you can really sense it in, in the sense that he's a lot more disruptive. You know, I always keep saying this. He doesn't have a ton of sacks on paper, although he has a good amount. He has not the most, but you would think he has more because he's just anywhere and everywhere. He's even dropped in the coverage a handful of times, which for someone in his position is is not bad to have. So, you know, the impact he had last year clearly is following up this year with an encore. So I would say Trey Hendrickson's my midseason MVP. And but just this so is, he, has, he, has, yeah. uh, he gets a pressure, a pressure right now. He's averaging a pressure every 13.9 uh, pass rush snaps, which is – That's – that's crazy. And his PFF grade is pretty good. He has almost an 86, which is uh, – that's top 15 in, in the league among his positions. So, I mean, the grades are up there as well aside the stats. But I want to have a lot of fun with this one. I, I snuck in an extra category because I know we did Joe Burrow's best fit for the offense. So kind of twisting all this for the defense, who would you say is the funniest or I guess like most fun, you know, and a – a player on the defense to be around on the Bengals this year. Funniest or just more, more entertaining from your all's perspective? Muhammad, you go first. Man, you're, you're, you're going to laugh at me for this, Andrew, because uh, you were trashing on my man B.J. Hill earlier, but I'm going to say B.J. Hill. He is hilarious because I was going to say, and I think folks have seen this. If you go on Twitter, they had him mic'd up against the Panthers. They usually have one or multiple players mic'd up, which they do through the Bengals in-house productions. Oh, my gosh. I watched that video at least two or three times. He was hilarious. Like, he'll just be on the sideline just singing, like, by himself, knowing there's a mic on him. And he just doesn't care. He's just like, I'm here to have fun. And honestly, even in the locker room, I don't know if, you guys have probably talked to him some, but I've just been like, hi, BJ. And he's like, hi there. And like, I would just start laughing because he's just got this big smile on his face that just makes you like feel good to be around. So he's, he's a feel good guy. He's, he's really goofy, but he's also very serious with his business. So he knows how to balance the two. And not that there aren't other funny players. I mean, I was actually torn between uh, him and Jermaine Pratt. Jermaine Pratt's been really fun to watch in the locker room, but um you know, and his Super Bowl intro on the NBC intro was actually really creative. But I'm gonna go with BJ Hill on this one. Uh, 
so I have a, a basically a newcomer uh, to the uh, to the locker room. Uh, I, I'm going to choose Cam Taylor Britt. Um, every time you talk to Cam Taylor Britt, he's laughing and he is smiling. Sure. Um, he seems to have a good rapport with the DBs. Um, if you actually talk to him, um, he's a like he 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 laughs at everything, which is kind of like it's funny sometimes. Because, like, he's always in a great mood, uh, which, again, like, th- there have been points in this season where, like, the Bengals' defense should not have been in a good mood. And he was always kind of upbeat and always positive. Um, like, I remember I asked him after the uh, after the Panther game, you know, I said, have, have you ever kind of been in a position like this, um, you know, where you guys ha- – I mean, it, the, the score is 35 to nothing at halftime and the Panthers had 32 yards. So I was like – have you ever played in a game as lopsided as this where you guys had more points than yards? He kind of thought about it for a minute, and he goes, oh, man, you know, I really don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But I played at Nebraska, so – and he just kind of, like, left that open-ended. So I thought that was really funny. Um, you know, he's he's a good guy, so uh, I really like him. I like talking to him. He's a, he, he gives a good quote, and he's he, – like I said, he's always in a good mood. That's a good answer. I like that. I was actually thinking about that too. Uh, I was going to go with Mike Hilton, uh, another really good natured player, always available, uh, to talk, um, which is appreciated by us reporters. Um, and, and, you know, Chidobia Wuzia is a really good interview, you know, not like a, uh, as gregarious, uh, as, as like a BJ Hill, but a really thoughtful player, um, and, uh, really, uh, takes time kind of thinking about questions and, and, and giving sort of. Uh, interesting answers and, and genuine answers, which is always appreciated. So those are, those are my two guys that uh, I've enjoyed um, talking to on the defense. I, I don't know that I look at them and smile like Muhammad does, but I do uh, appreciate their um, willingness to talk with us. I look at everyone and smile. I, I look at you and smile, Michael. So that says a lot. Very good. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because I, feel make, like I start to get a grin out of you, man. Got to get a grin out of you. You well, know, just you, you have all you your know. different, your your very popular sayings help. Yeah, right. well, you know, I'm just messing with you. I, I, I just genuinely, I, I don't know. I just smile at a lot of things. So that's just my uh, kind-hearted nature, I suppose, if you want to call it that. But those are, yeah, my my killing's a good one. He was actually the very first person I interviewed when I started this job mid-season, and he was just really chill about it. And man, actually, no, that reminds me too. I mean, I was talking about the BJ Hill mic'd up video. You guys have seen. The video of him as a mannequin, right, where he was like standing as a mannequin, like scaring people. Yeah, but that wasn't as like they they because they didn't pick somebody the same size as the mannequin, so everybody knew it was it didn't work. No, not everyone picked up on it. Actually, the one guy that picked up on it was Darren Simmons because he walked in, he was like, "Oh, small mannequin," and then he kind of did like a head nod, like really, dude, and like Darren just started laughing because he realized, "Oh, so it's not just a mannequin." But no, the funniest was when he, oh my gosh, he scared the heebie-jeebies out of Joe Burrow. That's like at the very end of the clip. You can watch it on Twitter. He was like, it's too early for that. Can't say it. But yeah, he's like, it's too early for this. Oh, so funny. But no, that is a great pick. And those Bengals videos are really good. That that production team, man, they can make some really good funny clips. Well, folks, thanks again for another special bi-week edition of Strictly Stripes. Again, just to reiterate, as we said earlier, make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. It is a 14-day free trial. It's $4.99 a month, but you won't even be charged that until the end of that 14-day free trial, which will come with the best and exclusive insights of all the Bengals bonus content. You will not get anywhere else but here. 
Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top. Or if it's easier, send a text message to 513-949-4147. Tomorrow, we're going to wrap up this bi-week edition of Strictly Stripes with our big storylines entering the second half, along with games to watch, players to watch, and much, much more. So make sure you tune in. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nizlik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great night.